Welcome to Outreach Church. Thanks for checking out this week's message. To hear more, subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or visit outreachchurch.net for downloads and service information. Our guest speaker this morning is, um, just to be honest, he's probably had, uh, there's, there's, there's probably two men who have had the greatest impact on my, my life. Um, on the way that I communicate the gospel with the clarity that I'm able to. And one of them is Dan. Um, he's someone who I call if I have a question, if I think something sounds crazy. You know, you have these things you read and you just see it and it seems so clear. And you're like, I've never heard this priest before, so maybe I'm off. And I call him and he's like, no, buddy, that's good. <laughs> so far, every time. <laughs> but I know he'd say, man, you're way off if I was. <laughs> Uh, because he values truth even more than my feelings, which is good. We all need people like that in our lives. We really do. We need people that value truth more than your feelings because they understand that it's only the truth that sets you free. That's the only thing that's ever promised to bring freedom in the Word of God is truth. That's it. The truth that you know and that you believe and that you actually live under the influence of sets you free. And so he's someone who speaks so much truth so so clearly um, but but more than that, he just has such a heart to see other people take stuff. He doesn't hold on to anything. I've heard people quote him over and over again, never give him credit, and I can safely say that it hasn't bothered him one bit. In fact, when we were talking one time about that, he said his heart is, man, if anybody can take something that I've said and use it and it brings freedom to somebody else, please do. Take what I've what God's given me. It isn't mine anyways. And someone that lives with that heart, when you give away, the more you give, the more you receive. It's no wonder he walks in the revelation he does. And so I'm honored to have you here, bud. Come on up and let's welcome Dan as he comes and brings the word. Thanks. Thanks, guys. Give me about half emotion over there, Mr. Roar. You guys appreciate him, huh? Gee. He's a wisdom machine. The first time we met, we were driving the car and I kept saying, where are you getting all this stuff? Where do you get this? He said, why do you keep saying that to me? I said, because I travel all over the country and I don't hear people talk as clear as I hear you talk. I said, you really talk clear. It's just good. comes from spending time with him. Amen? Amen. Amen. I like that. Standing on truth and valuing truth more than your feelings. Doesn't mean I don't love you, right? (laughs) Amen. Awesome. Man, I'm excited. Was that a good time in worship or what? Gee, that Yahweh song is fun. I haven't been in a corporate congregation where we really, you guys let that rip. You had fun with it too. I could tell they had fun with it. But what a good song, huh? And uh, that, that whole ending was just intimate and good. Please take opportunity when you're in an atmosphere like that to connect with God and communicate with Him. Amen? Don't just sing along, really. Just communicate with Him. Honestly, guys, I'm so encouraged this morning. I'm just going to really preach something exciting and encouraging because there's some things on my heart here that we need to do. But the whole goal of the gospel is Jesus paid a price to give you access back to the Father so you can know Him. Like, like I know we make it heaven and blessings and all that provision, and I hope you get a better job, and I hope you have enough. I really do. I'm not saying that cynically. It's just so not my priority. Like I am so not a Christian for what He can do for me. I'm a Christian to be right with Him and to have relationship with Him so who He is can live vibrant inside of me so that I have something to shine with so that I can shine. If He said, let your light so shine, the light probably ought to get lit. (laughs) Amen? 
least you get in works and try to be bright or something. It'd be better if the light would get lit, right? And he would just come in and light the light inside of you by having relationship and union with you. So, So the goal was knowing him. The goal was really knowing him. And in knowing him, you become more like him. I'm just going to be plain with you, you know. The uh, 1 John 4 says, if you know God, if you know God, you're going to walk in love. It says it like this. It says, beloved, let us love one another because love is of God. And everyone, is that all inclusive? Everyone who loveth, it doesn't say you love in and of yourself or of your own accord. Because God is love. Nobody's known love until we've seen God, agape love. We've been hurt. We've been offended. We've been super conditional in our lives, right? And we've been preference-driven, we've been presumptuous, we've been first-impression stuff. We've been a lot of things that aren't love. Love doesn't seek its own. Right there, they count us all out. From the time we were little, thanks, man. You are so thoughtful. You did that for me last night at the right time, man. I was dry. Thanks. (laughs) Seriously, I'm not joking. I was dry. I was like, that was perfect. So... uh, but think about this. Love doesn't seek its own. I mean, we use the phrase, I love you, in a very self-centered way, self-serving way. A lot of times we say, I love you, because it benefits, and it's a phrase that works, because people want to believe they're lovable. So people use the word, I love you, sometimes to get your way, to get things. You can be in a relationship, and it's not going good, and you haven't changed, but you say, I love you. <laughs> and after about four mushy I love you's, the partner says, really? Yeah, really? And it just gets messy. And, and really nothing's different. It's just words we're vulnerable to because we want to be loved. We want to know we're lovable. We want to think we have love. And it's all because we got cut off from love and the source of love and we're actually living apart from God and it makes you very self-centered, self-conscious, self-focused, self-depending, self-justifying, self-defending. It's, it's all bummer. It's a zero. You're not created for that, okay? So when I say the goal, the goal is knowing Him. The, the, the reason I say that, knowing Him is what changes your life. The actual goal is you and me becoming love. Like the reason Jesus died on the cross is not to send you to heaven someday. The reason Jesus died on the cross is so that he could pay the price to get his nature and his life back inside of you. That's why he died on the cross. He came to save that which was lost, not who. Yeah. <laughs> you sit down or you're going to be standing a lot because I'm just getting rolling. <laughs> I'm just messing. <laughs> I'm just playing. I like it. She's, she's on it. Listen, this is awesome. He came to save that which was lost, not who. Guess what was lost? Your created value, your destiny, your purpose. God's life in you. Adam, the day you eat the trees, the day you surely die. He didn't fall over dead. Something died. What died? The nature and image of God in man died. So we were all born into Adam and you must be born. Somehow we turned that into a beneficial prayer that blesses me instead of something that transforms me and makes me brand new. You don't incorporate him into your life. He becomes your life. He's new wine. He's a new and living way. You don't put new wine in an old wineskin. The wineskin has to be made new. 
That means you live from a different place. You have a different why behind your life. Your reason for being changes. Yeah? That's what the gospel does. It says, Beloved, let us love one another, 1 John 4, because love is of God, and everyone, all-inclusive, that loves, doesn't love in his own accord. It says, everyone that loveth is born of God, and that's a big deal. What it's telling you is the reason you're loving is because you know Him. Which means I know Him and knowing Him transforms me into who He is. I become one with Him. Christ in me, hope of glory. You get it? Watch. He who loveth not doesn't know God. Doesn't say you don't pastor. Doesn't say you don't lead worship. Doesn't say you don't feed the hungry now and then. Doesn't say you don't go on a mission trip and you're not sincere. It says if you don't love, there's a reason. And it only gives one. If you're still caught up in self-centeredness, if your emotions are still a wreck, if you still just get frustrated and disappointed and discouraged, there's a reason. You don't know Him. Doesn't say you don't see your need for a Savior. Doesn't say you don't believe in Jesus and Christ and the cross. Knowing Him is a higher goal than knowing about Him. And even believing on Him, as strange as that sounds to people. I can say I believe in Him all day, but knowing Him makes the difference. Knowing Him changes my disposition. It changes me on the inside. When I got born again in 95, Holy Spirit came to work. I didn't know it was the Lord. I thought it was my mind. And he didn't say, I hadn't been to church for about 14 years. He didn't say, hey, where you been? Haven't seen you around for a while, pal. Hey, haven't been in church. Haven't read your Bible. <clears throat> When's the last time I've heard you pray? He didn't say none of that. He said, you don't even know if God is really real. Why? Because if that gets questioned, gets answered, all those other things fall automatically into place. His desire was that I know Him. Not that I attend church. I become her. You get it? And on that day, I cried out and said, I don't even know if you're real. I bawled. I looked at my heart, saw it was selfish and wicked with selfishness. Selfishness is wicked, man. Unless a seed dies and falls to the ground, it's alone. But if it dies, it'll spring up and bear much fruit. Listen, guys, you can't even be tricked into being a Christian for yourself. Don't you get tricked in this country in a beneficiary gospel that we tend to preach. Don't you get tricked into being a Christian for your own sake and not for His great name. Because you'll let things matter more that don't matter most. And your life won't look like Him. Are you guys with me? He paid for this to be possible. (laughs) He, He didn't pay for you to feel better. He paid for you to shine. He didn't pay for everybody to treat you right. He paid for you to become like Him. 
came to save that which was lost. The truth was lost through Adam's sin. So he was made to be sin, put on a cross, so we could become righteous. And that's what I want to talk about a little bit in the sight of God. Because here's the deal, guys. That regret thing you talked about, and that anxiety thing. See, there's, if it's possible, there's one positive side to condemnation and regret. The fact that you feel condemned means your heart's so changed than the season you're condemned about. The fact that you care enough to care means you're alive inside. Something's rekindled, something's juvenated. There's a vision there that wasn't there before. There was a time you did something and didn't even blink, and now it makes you cry. That means you're changing. Condemnation's still never your answer, but the fact that you could be tempted into condemnation means you're alive inside. It means we got something to work with. It sure beats callous and numb and dull and whatever and... What's wrong with that? (laughs) Regret has the same principle behind it. The fact that you can regret means you're a different person than you were in that season. You see it for what it really is, but it's an oversense of caring. You're taking a responsibility that you can't carry because you can't change where you've been and what you've done, but who you are can change. So when who you are changes, God will never see you for where you've been. He'll see you for what you've become. And His judgment is righteous. So He pushes that away through the blood and lets you stand before Him as if you've never sinned. Isn't that exciting? That's really good. I'm glad you get it. (laughs) That's exciting. So it's all about repentance. And here's what I've never read. I've never read a scripture that says it's the reprimand of God that inspires me to change. It's the goodness of God. It's the fact that on my darkest day, He never changed His mind about me, my creative value, or destiny. On my most willful adventure, He said, I know that isn't you. You have a better destiny in front of you. I know more about you than you know about yourself. That's the love that never fails. Why? Because love doesn't take life personal. Love loves. Do you get it? Doesn't seek its own. Takes no account or record of wrong. So when I come to him, he doesn't say, well, Dan, and I convicted you, and you knew better, and you still did this anyway, and what about the time? And it's, That's all... <laughs> Because he doesn't have that record in his own heart in the sense of he's not offended by my life. While This is why while I was yet a sinner, he sent his son. Why? Because he knew the truth about me in him and he knew what I'd look like if he could pull me out of darkness into the light, live inside of me and shine through me. That's worth paying for to the Father. Your life is so worth it to him. Don't you for a second think it's humility to talk yourself down. It's a false sense of humility. It's a zero. It's a lie. It's not humility to boast in our ability to sin and fail and think that's humility. You're supposed to reckon yourself dead to sin. You're not even supposed to relate to a sin identity or consciences. You're supposed to wake up and present yourself as members under righteousness, reckon yourself dead to sin, and alive unto God in Christ Jesus. Like, thinking about sin is a zero. 
Thinking about righteousness causes you to attain something you couldn't be on your own. Righteousness produces holiness without you trying to be holy. Why? Because you see your life the way He sees you, and that truth begins to make you free, and you begin to live what you see the tree to be. If you can make a tree good, you got good fruit coming. It doesn't say change your life. It doesn't say try harder. It doesn't say make yourself better. It says if you make the tree good, the fruit will be good. If you see yourself for the way you've become through Him and what you've become in Him, the fruit will automatically change. If you wake up every day enjoying being His, enjoying being forgiven, enjoying being free, then regret, the thing we talk about earlier, is rendered powerless. It doesn't even have a voice. In fact, if the thing that you regret comes up as a flash, instead of causing you to feel bad and condemned, it actually springboards you into this truth. And as soon as the image comes, you say, God, I thank You. You've changed my life forever. I thank You I'm not the same person I used to be. You've transformed me from within. God, Your mercy is overwhelming and Your righteousness empowers me. God, I love standing before You in Your presence, being accepted by You. It is so good to be Your child. You do that right in the middle of a flashback and a memory. I promise you, the last thing you need is prayer. You need truth. It's not prayer that makes you free. It's truth. Some people are asking prayer for things that need truth. Young lady driving to work in her car in the morning and she gets a flashback of two years ago. The line she crossed it. She swore she'd never cross, but she crossed it. She was really in love with Jesus, but she thought she was in love. And she, she's driving to work. Two years have gone by. She's getting through. She's growing again in love with it. And all of a sudden that thing comes and that picture comes and that memory comes and a voice is attached to it. She has two options. She can drive and gray out while she's driving and get to work crying. Or while she's driving, seeing that image, she can refuse to even acknowledge it, ignore it, and say, Father, I so thank You for a brand new day in You. God, I thank You that I am so clean in Your sight and clean in Your presence, and You have put a good thing in me that's going to last forever. You have changed me for good. God, I thank You I'm Your girl, and I thank You that Your love is unfailing. And ah, and then she gets to work, and she's just in love. Why? Because a picture came. And you think you have a problem, but you really have an answer. And if you discern it as a problem, you'll probably call a friend and ask for prayer with a down heart. But if you see you have an answer, you haven't lost a thing because you've already gained Him. So I guess there is no regrets. I guess Pastor was right. He usually is. When he calls me, I've never never adjusted a thing, Roy. Roy calls me, hey, can we just talk? Give me a call when you get a chance. I say, what's up, buddy? Love you, man. I say, are the turkeys gobbling? No, no, got a question. Oh. Because <laughs> me and Roy turkey hunt together. So we're turkey hunting buddies. But he'll share his little revelations and the things he's seeing. And I'm like, man, that's really good. Can I preach that? People ask me if I have any copyrights. They say, you don't have any copyrights on anything? I'm like, copyrights? Our copyright would be your right to copy. (laughs) Like, nothing's mine. Like, what came from me? Look, if it came from me, I wouldn't be so excited to listen to it. (laughs) And if it came from the Lord, who are we to get a copyright on the Lord? 
If it's spirit-inspired. So what, am I copywriting my gift? Or is my gift to multiply? Some of this stuff gets weird. Be careful you don't live secular in Christ. Just be careful. (laughs) Oh, I better get off that. I'm backing out. Backing out. Thank you, Jesus. Okay, so why am I talking about this whole how He loves us, sees us, regretting all this stuff? Because you'll never get to know Him like you're called and created to know Him if you don't see yourself the way He sees you through His Son. You'll never have intimacy. You'll never grow close to Him. You actually pray to Him from afar about things. You'll pray about people. You'll have a prayer life. You'll have a list. But where it comes to communion, intimacy, that song we were playing on the way here, I said, I giggled and the kids giggled. We all like, woo. And Patty turned around and laughed and I thought, she might do that yet today. I said, man, you could take a walk with the Lord on that song. You could like hold hands and just walk with Him on that. Like like this song was sweet and intimate and I just pictured just walking through the woods just with the truth of that song with Jesus nobody else around like that to me excites me why because he's with me he's in me he loves me like he's never going to leave me like he's in me because he wants to be isn't that cool I like that (laughs) it makes me happy and I'm never alone so I lay on my bed. He's in me. So I'm not lonely. I'm not restless. I'm not a caged animal in a room without technology, without a window. <laughs> Hello? You'd be amazed what makes us tick. We got all these little false lifelines, these things that are buying and passing time. And maybe our highest time is to be with Him. So that all those other things are healthy benefits and blessings in our life and never enablements. Just a thought. I said that with a sweet smile. You couldn't even get hurt by that. There's no way you'd get hurt by that. See? I used to preach all the time. I haven't said it for a while, but you could put me in a room. No windows, just white paint. I don't care what color paint, man. Shut the door. And just put some water on the floor and some jugs and come back and get me in like seven days. Little porta potty in the corner. <laughs> you open that door in seven days, you better be ready. You're going to walk into Jesus. You're not going to be walking into a famished, tired, sol- camp, solitary camp, solitary confinement, withered. Seven days, 24 hours in a room with a door closed. Enough air, enough water. And Jesus, that's dangerous. <laughs> so you can either go stir crazy, you can go nuts, you can fast life and fall apart and say, this is crazy, i got to get out of here, you can go bonkers, or you could be with Him. Yeah. wonder if you haven't learned how to be with Him and you get in those situations and you don't seize the moment. And the moment breaks you down instead of you build yourself up in Him. I promise you, after seven days, you open that door, you better be careful. just being with him. I was in a situation years ago, I won't go into the story, I was in a hospital situation, I ended up checking myself out. It's a long story. I, I didn't even want to be there. I'm not against hospitals at all. Don't read in. Don't hear what I'm not saying. 
it just worked that way, and they were running tests, and I was in a bed, and so I was just in this bed in a hospital, and I had nothing to do but be in the bed. And they were trying to figure out some things, and I was saved about five years, maybe four years. I was just worshiping Jesus the whole day. I was just ministering to the Lord, just receiving His love. Cleaning lady. Cleaning lady. I have this room. She comes in. She doesn't turn. She's, it's a little, it's a room. It has a little, like, almost like a hall thing to turn into my room. I see her, and I thought it was a nurse coming, but it's the cleaning lady. I see the mop, and she's cleaning. She's never said hi. She never turned. It's a true story, exactly how it happened. It impressed me, made me hungry. It put me on a search for more. This stuff gets you when it happens. She goes, she just freezes like this. It's exactly how she did it. Turned out she had a tumor in her head. Jesus ended up taking that out of her head. And about 40 years later, I went in there visiting somebody, and she came come down the hall, and we had a little reunion because she's still working with no tumor. You just want that stuff in your life. It's just one of thousands of things that <laughs> come to me all the time. <laughs> Make me this way. <laughs> that sure beats traffic and who said and why didn't and how come and yep. Sure beats have an attitude and issues. I'd rather you have Jesus. <laughs> He's a lot better than issues. She's, she just freezes. Watch what she does. Freaked me out. In a good way, I was like, whoa. It was dangerous for me. Put me on a journey. She looks, and I said, hi. I'm laying, I got a little hospital gown on. <laughs> laying in the bed, one of them little things that have your back open, you know. It's just a little hospital gown sitting in the bed. Said, hi. She said, you're a man of God. I said, yes, ma'am. That sure beats, well, you know. <laughs> she said, you're a man of God. Yes, ma'am. Might as well get it over with. I am. He lives in me. That makes me a man of God. He redeemed me. He bought me. He restored me. He put salvation in me. He, that makes me a man of God. It's, it's, not, it's not a boastful thing. I was on a plane and a lady was crying and trembling. She wouldn't let me pray for her. She was so overwhelmed by the word of knowledge and what was she felt flowing out of me on the airplane. I have a lot of fun on airplanes. People actually ask me how I'm doing. And they're seat belted against a window. I've never had anybody get out one of them holes. <laughs> you ask me how I'm doing. Pull cord dog. How are you doing? Yeah. And if I'm not done yet, I'll pull the string again. <laughs> She's trembling. I said, it's okay, honey. We need to pray. It's going to get a whole lot better than this. And I said, it's okay. She said, I'm so overwhelmed. I said, but it's a good overwhelmed. It's, it's a good thing. I said, it's okay. She said, it's all right. She never looked at me. She's looking straight down. She said, I feel like I'm sitting here talking to Jesus. 
And I said, you are. See, that's not blasphemy. I said, you are. He lives inside of me. And the words I'm speaking are coming from him. That's how I knew. How else could I know? I thought, I'm not helping things. <laughs> when I was, I was, I was, I was telling the story because these things, they, she said, you are a man of God. And I go, yes, ma'am. And I said, why did you say that? She said, I'm mopping. And I perceived his presence. I'm familiar with his presence. I'm a Christian woman. And I thought, God, you're in this room. I looked and realized he's in you. And I went, whoa. (laughs) That impressed me. I remember being at work at the time clock. I'm not mad. I'm not angry. I'm not ticked off because of my third shift at the time. I'm not grumbling. I'm changed. So I'm at the time clock. I have a whole new attitude. I'm there to do my work under the Lord. I'm there to be a good employee. I'm there to be a benefit to my company. Not just get a paycheck. I'm there to shine and be a witness. Sound, does that sound Christian, being a witness? Or am I there to get all the favor, all the easy jobs, and get God to move on my behalf so life is smoother and easier? Be careful that's not your theology because that's twisted and it never works good. People that believe that stuff are disappointed and wondering where God is and trying to express more faith to get more favor when you already got Him. Just be careful. Guys at the work, at the time clock, word got back to me. I said, they would just be kind of like a little freaked out sometimes because they'd ask me questions and I'd answer them. And when I'd talk, I'd feel light coming in my face. And I'd just feel life in me. And they're like, calm down, dude. Why do you always get so excited? You freak us out. You know? <laughs> I'm like, I am trying to calm down. What, do you see passion? Passion, are you kidding me? I'm like, no, I actually feel like I'm suppressing things to communicate. <laughs> <laughs> No, dude, you're whacked, man. I used to come up and say, it's like you're brainwashed. And I'd, I'd have fun with him. I'd say, my brain has been thoroughly washed. Ah! <laughs> but word got back to me that, that they'd be at the time clock, and the one guy came up to me, and we got to be friends, and he got born again and everything. And we had so many encounters at work. A guy was driving home. He, uh, he came up to me, and he said, uh, you know, my church doesn't believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit or the tongues, doesn't believe in healing. Why do you believe in all that stuff? You seem so full of life. You're so excited. But the stuff you believe in, my church doesn't believe in any of it. Like, in fact, they preach some of it's from the devil. Da, da, da. I said, look, I don't know about all that. I, I just know Jesus is Lord. I woke up Monday morning. I got saved Sunday night, woke up Monday morning praying in tongues. So I don't know, I don't know what to do with that. Like, you know... Nobody talked me into anything. Nobody said, say yabba dabba do backwards three times as fast as you can. Hey, you got it! Yes! I just, I'm just telling you. I woke up Monday morning overwhelmed with God's presence, praying in tongues, crying, and had no clue what was going on. But I knew it was Him. 
So a little late to talk me out of that. So I talked to him about it, and I said, well, when you're on your way home, just sincerely ask God. Say, look, I know my church is saying this, and Dan, but what is true? And I went, the guy had to pull over his car in Spring Grove along the road. Holy Ghost came in his car. He had to pull over his car, sat there and cried for like an hour, praying and crying and praying in tongues. On the way home. And another guy was at a bar, and it was one in the morning, and he's coming down the road, and the Spirit of the Lord came in his car. He got out of his car on the asphalt, knelt and said, this is you. I didn't know you were real. I know this is you. I'll give you my life. And God just kind of like, it's almost like He arm wrestled him down, man, like in a good way. Like He just pinned him on the asphalt. I'm yours. (laughs) He came in the car, overwhelmed him. He parks, he gets out. And it wasn't because he was blind drunk. He And he got changed. His disposition changed. Christian man, my workplace. I saw so many guys get born again. They said they were at the time clock, and this one guy came up to me, and he said, you know, they get freaked out at the time clock. They keep saying, what is that that comes off of him when he's talking? You can feel it touching you and pushing on you. It just freaks me out. And uh, I was talking to a guy. This is all from knowing him. I'm talking to a guy, asking me questions. Who knows I'm not giving him my theology? I'm giving him my relationship. Like when I stand up and preach, I'm giving, I'm talking about us. I'm not preaching theology. I'm talking about us. It's so full of life in me. Like whether you perceive that or not, I'm just telling you, it's, it's, it's life to me. I'm like preaching us. So I'm preaching us to him. Mike's asking me all these questions. I'm pouring out my heart. I don't realize Jeff is sitting here going through a divorce, reading his paper. He's not born again. He is a chain smoker. Right? You know what I mean? (laughs) And when that one's done, never goes out. Chain smoker. Nonstop. He's listening, reading the paper, listening. He calls me in the morning, freaking out. In the morning at my home. He says, Hey, can we talk? I said, what's going on, man? Why'd you call? What's up? Are you okay? I got questions, man. I'm freaked out. I don't know what's going on. He said, you know how much I smoke, right? And I said, no, I didn't really think about it. Take, Dude, I'm a chain smoker. Like, I light one off of one. I'm such a wreck through this divorce. I already smoked a pack and a half a day, but now I never put one out. I just need one in my hand constantly. He said, I was listening to you talk to Mike last night. And I kept feeling like something was happening to me and something was coming off of you when you were talking. And I felt a peace. I can't even explain it. He said, I just realized this morning, since you were talking to Mike and I was listening, I hadn't even thought about a cigarette. The next day, I said, whoa. (laughs) And it's amazing how I was like, whoa, but I had all these answers for him. I said, let me explain. I didn't know. It's just Jesus talking through you. (laughs) He's got these little built-in messages. (laughs) So I go to Jeff's house. I run to Jeff's house to take a Bible to Jeff's house for him because I know what's happening. 
got born again. I baptized him in his bathtub. I said, dude, we're filling up your tub. You're getting new life. I said, it won't take long. I'm going to hold you under when the bubbles stop, dude. I am bringing you up. I said, we're going to make sure this thing works. It's going to take. So he's holding Jesus! It's just good. Why is all this stuff happening in my life? I've been around a lot of Christians in my life. I've never seen anything like this. A lot of them were serving doctrine, paying homage to God, and afraid they were going to go to hell, so they were making sure they go to church because they wanted to go to heaven. And weren't realizing they can become like Him. He wants to live in them, shine through them, love through them, talk through them, walk through them. And all of a sudden, Jesus introduced me to relationship and knowing Him. Guys, we're called to this relationship. This relationship is so life-giving and it gives life not only to you, but it gives life to everybody around you. Watch, without you trying. This is the coolest part. You don't have to be so evangelistic. Love is evangelistic. Like the life that's in Jesus reaches out on its own. Just your attitude makes such a difference. Just impact. I'm sitting on an airplane. And I'm ministering to a person that's the only person to me in the world in that moment. I'm not looking to get the mic and take over the plane. Who knows, that would be cool and those testimonies would sound fun, right? I'm not looking to line everybody up, healed in Jesus' name. I'm just, I got one person in my sights. But here's the deal. You're talking soft. You're not trying to be belligerent. You're not trying to be discourteous. People are resting, sleeping. You're just loving on one person. But people tend to hear, listen, eavesdrop, and get touched. Watch. So I get out of the plane. I'm not even out of the plane. Somebody's tapping me. Can you pray? I'm on the tarmac. Excuse me. Trembling. I'm in the jetway. My record's four people. I got stopped for prayer four times before I got into the jetway on a flight. Three times more than I can remember. Not that we're trying to set records, but it's cool to me. Four is a lot of people, man. Like, they're waiting on you. They're supposed to go on. People are in a hurry in an airport. They're getting in their plane. They don't even talk. They're grabbing their bags. Everybody's pushed up. One. Red carpet status first. Me. Not these folks. Excuse me, sir. Would, would you like me to pray with you? Could you please? Yeah. Fire! Ah! No. I don't do that. I don't do that. I just pray. I just pray. <laughs> But it's just fun. <laughs> I'm not joking. This just happens all the time. So you're sitting on a plane, you're talking. The guy in front of me is reading a book. He's on the same page for 10 to 15 minutes. Same page. He ain't reading. He's sitting there. He's got his deer ears on, man. He's, a, he's, he's not reading. He's, I was going to peek up and say, hey, dude, you're not playing it right, man. Better camouflage. Turn the page. <laughs> Listening. Why? Knowing him. Man, you can debate doctrine all day and all you have is a debate. You can know him and you'll minister life. If you say something out of your being, out of your life, out of your experience, out of knowing Him, it comes out with a whole different weight. It carries a whole different thing. There's knowledge and then there's revelation. 
You can know what the Bible says, but you can become what the Bible says. And when you preach out of knowing what it says, you'll pass on doctrine and stir men's intellect. But when you become, the Word becomes flesh, and you become what the Bible says, it imparts life. And the hearer has an anointing on it to become the same thing. The hearer, the one that hears, it can produce the same thing, each seed after its own kind. So revelation births what? So if I minister something with the light on, not just head knowledge, the heart, the light on, guess what it can birth in the person? Lights on. That's why people email me, countless people say, I get it. Something came alive in me. Ding, 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 ding. Oh, it's printed on an email. Ding, 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 ding. <laughs> I see it, brother. It's finally clicked. Whoa. I'm like, yeah. Why? Seed time and harvest time. Each seed after its own kind. Isn't that good? So knowing Him is what we're called to, guys. This corporate celebration is awesome. Just so much fun to stand beside Him worship. Thanks for sitting beside me. I wanted to squeeze you like five times, but I didn't want to distract you. She just... And I'm like, oh! I'm just, Whoa! You were so much fun. Oh, you were. Thanks. She just made my morning happy. I just stood beside her and was happy. I was like, makes me happy. You blessed me. But I didn't distract you. I was ready to three different times. I so that's all great, corporate worship, the whole experience. But please, the Bible says if, if, you, if you pray when everybody's praying, if you pray... I believe it's everything. You can, without speculating, without reading, uh, or making too much out of it, you get anything you do, if you just do it corporately, you got your reward in full. You get whatever is there in that moment. That's your highest reward. That's what you get. But man, when you, when you pray, when you worship, when you read, when you, all that stuff, get alone. Be with Him. Be intimate. Be personal. Talk to him. Don't just do a daily devotion and say it's your word for the day. Don't be impersonal. I'm not saying don't do the daily devotion. I didn't say that. Relational. Let it springboard you into him. A brother told me, the, the fellow from Ohio was on his bed last night singing, and he changed the words from, from his to your. His love, you could sing a song like that. And in corporate, His love, no, your love. Your love is so amazing. God, the way you love me is amazing. Read your Bible. Please don't just, don't just wake up and you're not feeling good in the morning. You say, by His stripes I'm healed. By His stripes I'm healed. By the stripes of Jesus I'm healed. Don't just quote that thing thinking it's going to work. Say, Father, I'm so glad you sent your Son. King Jesus, you came and you paid a price to redeem my life. Every blow, every blast you took upon your head, your back, your face, that blood that poured out of you was for my redemption. Man, it's your stripes that bring healing into my life. Your love never fails. Thank you, God, for loving me. See, you want to commune by his stripes I'm healed. 
You want to take these scriptural powerhouse truths that people put on their refrigerators and let them be relational in life to you, not just framed. Yeah? Yeah. Come on, there's a lot of rainbow scriptures in the Bible, man. We frame them and put them all in our houses. That's awesome. Commune them. Confession sheets. Don't just read the scriptures and quote them and think that's what you're supposed to do. Some people teach that. Just read that confession sheet. No. The confession sheet is a springboard and a tool to communion. So read the confession and see the heart of what it's saying. Commune it to God as if you're talking to a best friend. Do you get what I'm saying? Wow, God, your love for me will never fail. Every day you'll see me for destiny, purpose, and potential. Wow, God, I just thank you that your love never fails. God, I can live so secure today knowing you'll never change your mind. Your view of me is set and steadfast. There's no turning or shifting a shadow with you. If you deemed me worthy through your son, I'll always be worthy in your sight. I forever have confidence to approach you. God, you give me a healthy boldness. I so love being accepted by you. I'm going to wear this thing well, and people are going to know your love through me. God, thank you for making it that clear. That's communion. That's relationship. That's prayer. That sure beats just praying for the neighbor, praying for your work, or praying for your kids, praying for your spouse. And be careful when you pray for all those things, you're not doing it because you're hurt, disappointed, or let down. Don't just pray for your spouse because they're acting like a jerk. (laughs) Come on. Do you know how many spouses pray for their spouse because they know if God would ever answer their prayer, their day would be better? That's why nothing's changing. Because God won't empower that. You're actually making it hard for him to respond because he doesn't want to teach you that that motive's okay. It's never about you getting your way. It's about you. It's Yahweh. Not your way. Yahweh. Yeah, we sang it all morning. So we're not Burger King in it here. Your way in five minutes. No, it's Yahweh. Yeah? So you pray for your spouse because you know there's so much more than they understand. And that there's a side of productivity that God wants to spring up like a well. And God, I just feel like they're frustrated. Their esteems, something's not right. Keep empowering me to love them, bring out the best, and not just be an agitated spouse. God, I just thank you. Bam, bam, bam. Yeah? That sure beats getting frustrated and praying and thinking it's spiritual. (laughs) Calling your best friend and telling them how bad your spouse has been and your best friend's having trouble with their spouse and been through hell with it too in relationships. So they relate and go, tell me, I know what it's like. Man, we need to, we need to pray. No, you need to get a new mind and a new heart so heaven hears you and you're not displaying spiritual charades. I promise you, you pray from a hurting heart frustrated heart, unforgiving heart, you just pray because you're mad, that prayer goes as far as the ear can hear it. Nothing else is here in that prayer, I promise you. It's not, going, it's not reaching heaven. It's not going to be in no bowls of incense. <laughs> incense is supposed to smell good. And that's what humility smells like to God. And that's what selflessness smells like. 
That's what faith smells like, good. And a wife might be going through hell with her husband, and a husband might be going through hell with his wife, but the door's closed, and he's on his knees, and he's weeping, and he ain't crying because of her. And she ain't crying because of him. She's crying for him. There's a difference. There's a difference when you're crying for her and not because of her. One of them is just human. The other one is Jesus. (laughs) And all of a sudden you're saying, God, and it's been so unfair. And they've gone farther than they ever should. And yet all you can do is see they have a higher value and weep and cry because you didn't wake up to be loved by them. You woke up to love. That one's Jesus. Waking up to be loved by them, full of vulnerability, your life's going to be up and down and you're only as good as they're doing you. Now you're making them Lord, but they're not as sufficient as Jesus. That's why you're not okay all the time. So you got a false God in your life and don't even realize it. You're using your spouse to make your day. And you're only as good as they're doing you. That is not the kingdom of God. Just for what that's worth. Said that with a smile. Yeah, you see, you can't even get offended at me. I'm too nice. So I got to pull out a sharp sword. Yeah, and smile the whole time. Stitch it all up. Take the old heart out. We have surgery while we're preaching. It's so good. So here's the point. Here's the point. If you're going to know Him, you've got to see how He sees you. Colossians 1. You want to look there real quick? This is so funny. I'm not one of them open your Bible guys. I didn't even... I just opened my Bible. Guess where it's sitting? Colossians 1. It just came on my heart. I didn't even know where I opened my Bible. That was fun. That's fun. I'm sitting right here like as if I needed confirmation. You could preach this every day and be right. Yeah, I'm just serious. We always get spooky and think we have to have such a leading of the Lord. Truth is living by the Spirit. If you live in truth, you're living by the Spirit. Living by the Spirit's not a spooky thing. It's living by truth. His Word is Spirit and life. Holy Spirit's the Spirit of You live in truth, you're being led by the Spirit. You're living by the Spirit. And that's why you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. My sheep hear and obey. His voice is truth. His truth makes you free. My sheep hear and obey. My voice, a stranger's they will not follow. It didn't say you won't hear it. To follow, you have to hear. The fact that he said they won't follow means they're actually hearing the stranger's voice. Why won't they follow it? Because they know they're His. Their identity is secure in Him. Their face is unveiled. They have a place in the Father through the Son. They know they're His sheep. They know they're His children. They know the Father. They know His voice. As strangers, they won't follow. Why? It's strange. It's that simple. This isn't rocket science. It's not a deep revelation. You don't follow a stranger's voice because it's strange. What do you mean I'm not worthy? What do you mean I'll never be anything? Are you kidding me? He shed his blood for me to live inside of me. He's made me worthy. Right? What do you mean my life doesn't matter? 
shedding blood for me, the Son of God, putting on flesh and dying on the cross and putting the price tag of the blood on my head? Sounds like value to me. See, you don't even know how to hear and follow a stranger's voice anymore. It's so exposed in the truth. You get what I'm saying? But if you're not sure you're His, and if you get grayed out a little, and you start living a little bit of regret, a little bit of condemnation, you let your esteem slip outside of Christ a little, you try to find value through human life instead of the Spirit of God. Next thing you know, the stranger's voice sounds rational. Now you're back in the rat race, even though your heart's sincere and you actually love God the best you understand Him. You get tricked into believing lies. You let your identity just slip a little bit, and all of a sudden, a stranger's voice makes sense. You just don't feel good about yourself in God, and all of a sudden, the stranger's voice makes sense. Pastor was saying something in the car last night. He was dead on. He said, you know, Satan doesn't miss, miss anything. He, he is looking for opportunities, and he doesn't miss it when people give him chances. He catches that stuff and makes the most of it. He looks for opportunity. He can't just come in and run you over, but he'll take advantage of what you don't see. He'll take advantage of what you won't believe. Yeah? I tell people, he ain't going to run up here and just run me over like a truck hit me and take me out. He can't, and he's not going to. Woohoo! But you can give him place. You can give him opportunity. I'm a whole lot more protected in Jesus than some people realize. You give him no place. The rule of this world comes and has nothing in me. We're not unaware of his devices. Why? He has schemes and devices, and he's trying to locate weakness so he can find a landing strip. Well, this is a no landing zone, pal. Yeah? That's not arrogant. Don't be afraid. Preacher, you make me afraid when you talk. No, you just need a bigger revelation of God instead of the devil. I'm not talking arrogant. You follow me? Thank you. Good water down here. No, I got, I got plenty. Colossians, I'm going to wrap this up real soon. We got kids and stuff, and we don't have to stay all day. I just want you cheered on. You go to Walmart, you got price tags everywhere, man. You got barcodes, price checks. You got values on them counters. You got price tags galore, right? Store humanity, one price tag on every head. Why? Same value every life. Yeah. Every mountain's low, every valley's up. No hot shot, no low life, no such thing in truth. Every single person, different callings, different giftings, different spheres of influence, different ways God uses different people, but we can all become love. We can all bear witness of His great name and all shine His image. We all have the same exact value or we wouldn't all cost the same exact price. Oh, how you get around that? That's why my hair is white. It's just so good. Come on, that's so powerful. That crushes every lie. So how much insecurity, low esteem, those secular trying to measure up, especially you young ladies, it makes me cry. What goes on with people? Trying to fit in, who's who, be somebody, get noticed, recognized, always outward, always outward, instead of the inward, quiet person that's precious in the sight of God. It's almost always outward. Yeah. 
What a rat race lie. Just be what Jesus created you to be and shine and look beautiful in the sight of God and you'll look beautiful in the sight of man. You know what I'm saying? I'm just telling you, it's true. Here's the deal. And you, verse 21, who's he talking to? You and me, right? Because if you were reading that to me, you'd say, and you. You've got me in there too. He's got you in there. We're both in there. Watch. And you and me who were once alienated and separated from God, estranged from Him, enemies in our mind by wicked works, yet now He reconciled. Isn't that amazing that even though we were in that state, yeah, that's awesome. Look at this. Yet He's reconciled you in His fleshly body through death in order to present you before Him. Look how He's presenting you now. Holy, blameless, and above reproach. A second ago, your mind worked different than his. It made you an enemy and estranged by wicked works. We think it's murder and adultery and pornography all the time. wonder if it's just self-centered thinking because it's a lonely, non-productive place. wonder if selfishness is the biggest tragedy on the planet, that men were made to love and walk in God's image, and God is selfless, God is love, and men became selfish when the thing died through Adam that we were created to be, and now we're all wearing self. So if anybody come after me, let him first deny why. He was never made for himself. He's made for God's image. So let's get rid of the problem so we can shine. We've turned it into a prayer that takes me to heaven instead of heaven coming into me and my life being changed. Come on, we've preached this gospel at large in this country, very beneficial and self-serving. So you've got a lot of discouraged people that go to church on Sunday because the gospel isn't panning out for them. Yeah, that's how some people feel. <laughs> Just like that. It was perfect. Did you pinch her? What did you do? Did you? <laughs> right on time. Now, honey. Yeah. <laughs> See? That's what people do in life. Because <laughs> they're not comfortable. Daddy's going to make her comfortable because he's a good dad. But honestly, you think about that illustration. There's that little analogy. Life makes them uncomfortable. They're not comfortable. Things ain't... And it turns into complaining, whining, discouragement. They come to church with a long face, start drawing attention through their calamity. Their life starts getting stereotyped through the trauma, and Christ in them gets suppressed and suppressed and suppressed, and yet there's a higher truth the whole time. You're destroyed for the lack of knowledge. Get the knowledge, we can stop destruction. Yeah? So look, you can throw that back up there. Come on, man. Heaven and earth's passing away. The word ain't never passing away. Come on, man. Thanks, buddy. Computer went on sleep mode, didn't it? Can you back that up to the beginning again for me, 21? Let's just read it through and scroll with me. Watch this. And although, see what he's saying? Although you were living this way, he didn't change his mind. Although this was the truth for every one of us, we were all alienated by the way our minds work. So we get renewed in the spirit of our mind. What? Don't be conformed to the world. Be transformed. How? You look it up. Thinking like you've never thought before. See? Used to think for me. Now I'm thinking for His kingdom. Seek ye first the kingdom and His... Woo! 
Sound gospel? So I'm seeking first His kingdom. I'm on the earth for His kingdom. I'm seeking His kingdom and how He sees me. And all these things necessary to fulfill His will will always be added to me. It's not even a prayer life. It's just a covenant. You get it? (laughs) Yeah, I feel that way too. See, I get to stand the whole time. So I get it. And although you were formerly alienated and hostile in mind, engaged in evil deeds, just thinking for yourself, just being in a room and thinking you're so all that that you could actually look down on four individuals that were made for God's image. Just because you don't agree with their preference, just because your style's a little different, you're going to sit and be cynical and degrade. We've lived in these scales of judgment. It's a horrendous expression of pride and fallen nature. When the blood is speaking better things the whole time. (laughs) Yet he has now reconciled. Now. That means now. Yeah. So you're made friends with. You're made one with. Through his fleshly body. Through death. In order. Here's why. So he could present you and you could stand before him. Look at this list. Holy. You know what holy means? Does anybody define holy for you? Holy means a cut above. A cut above. Yeah. You go find the greatest peace you've ever found and then step into God. Then you'll find peace. He's a holy God. He's a cut above. Yeah? Yeah? You're supposed to be holy, a cut above. In the world and not... I called you out of darkness into the marvelous light. I don't tell you to take them out of the world, God. Leave them in the world. Just keep them from the evil one. What's he mean? Let them live sanctified and power them to walk in you. Cut above. Yeah. People aren't so far off and they say, well, you're so much holier than thou. Well, yeah, I'm a cut above. (laughs) It's not an arrogant statement. My mind's been changed. That's right. Because my mind's been changed, my heart's grabbed a hold of it and actually believes it. Because right. my heart believes it, my mouth is speaking it. And guess what? It's unto salvation. All of a sudden, the manifestation of what I've become is evident in my life. Why? Cut above. So now that I see myself that way, I won't live down to a lower level. I won't live to a lower place. The old desires that came through a low esteem are vanquished and crushed. I don't have to deal with the spirit of addiction. It's an esteem thing. If you raise the value of an individual, their desire life changes. If you raise the value of an individual, what they're, what they're capable of, what they're tempted by, and what seems seductive to them is totally different once you raise their identity and their esteem because they won't sell cheap when they see the value of their life. We're trying to get people to stop doing bad things, stop doing addictive behaviors. Addictive behaviors is a sign that you don't see yourself for the value you possess in Christ. A man that's just bound in addiction and can't break away, he has been reduced to a low level of just human getting by, feeding his flesh, fantasy moment, temporal time stuff. He's just degraded back to the fall of man, even if he goes to church. Pornography is just a sign that a man has no idea who he really is, so he can't see people clear, so he's exploiting them for his own sake for a moment. But when he really values himself and sees himself, he'll see pornography for what it really is. It'll make him weep, never lust. 
and he'll never reduce his life to something he wasn't created for, to feed something that was never to be. Why? Because he sees who he really is. And his value raises, he will never sell cheap again because he's not for sale. He's bought with a price. You guys with me? That's just good preaching right there. (laughs) To present you before him, what? Now watch this, guys. Wonder if you and I wake up right there starting where he finished. That's where he finished. When the veil was tore from top to bottom, access to God, when Jesus rose from the dead, we were justified just as if we never sinned. If you're living just as if you never sinned, that would make you holy and blameless and above reproach, not, son, I need to talk to you. Wonder if you start there. I call it starting where Jesus finished. If you don't start where he finished, you'll never run well. Oh, you'll go to church, you might even serve in a ministry, but you'll never run well if you don't start where he finished. And if you don't start where he finished, you'll let go into church and ministry take the place of knowing him, and those things will be your identity, and you'll only be doing as good as you're doing for him instead of your becoming in him. Are you guys with me? Yeah. And you get driven by works, and you always feel like you owe him something more instead of living by faith in him and relationship. So wouldn't this be an amazing place to start every day? Wouldn't it be awesome to be driving in your car and just say, Father, I thank you. You've made me holy and blameless in your sight. Now, I've learned this. I'll say it without tears. I don't want to play that card, but I promise you I can cry on the inside because I know this to be true. I know countless good, good people, Christians that are not hypocrites, that have never, when they're alone, just receive the love of God and talk to him openly about it. Father, I so thank you for loving me. God, you make me feel so special in you. You've just given me all that you are. You've made me yours. I so appreciate your unfailing love and how clean you've washed me and how pure you've made me. God, I love you so much. I know countless Christians. You'd be amazed. In this room, if I ask you, raise your hand if you've never prayed that way alone with God, you'd be amazed how many people haven't even thought that way when they're alone let alone pray that way. And that is what changes your life. That's how you get to know him. Roy and I have gotten close over the years. I just feel like I love the guy. I only see him really solid once a year. But we talk now and then, and I'm like, I love you, man. You're just, he's, a, he's a special guy in my life. I really love his family. You guys are awesome to me. I'm watching the kids grow up. I'm really privileged just to See a young, beautiful young lady just grow up. You blessed me last night in the house more than you know. I was bragging on her, wasn't I, this morning? In my mind, in five minutes, she got the Kid of the Year Award, man. In five minutes, she was top nominee, hands down. Bam, Aaliyah. Kid of the Year Award. I'm just serious, man. 14, 15 in May, the boys are playing. Who knows boys can be boys? They're just boys. They're just being playing and they're being good. But they get up, glass slides, cords, (laughs) breaks, ice, soda, glass, bare feet. Guys, I see glass shards, man. Watch the glass. Don't. She doesn't say a word. She just jumps up. She comes out with a broom. She's fourteen, guys. She just getting it all out. Puts it in a nice little pile. Next thing you know, she's good. I'm looking. I'm like. Boy didn't even say, Aaliyah, I need your help. Aaliyah, could you please help me clean this up? 
She just did it, right? So I'm like, oh, oh. So now she gets the vacuum out. She's over at the rug. <laughs> and I'm like, what? So as if that's not enough, Roy and I are talking. She's just scampering around. She's in a room. She's going to open a drawer. See, because she got this little, this little spongy mop thing. That you, she's out there. I'm like, sweep up the glass, vacuum, and then mop where the soda was. All on her own. Nobody said a word. And she just put it all away and come plop down on the couch beside her daddy. I'm like, that's the kid of the year award right there. There's something about doing things from your heart and not always needing told. Teens, young people, listen, there's something amazing. Does your parents' hearts amazing? You just take out the garbage because you remembered it's garbage night. Nobody said you had to. You just empty the can because you see it's full. You just do it because you're part of the family. And we just love one another and we all pitch in and we make a family happen. Why has it always got to be rules, lists, and allowance? We're teaching bad things sometimes, don't even realize it. Making everything obligatory and what's in it for me. We don't even realize the message we keep alive in our attempt to keep order in our families. I think love's way better. I think just seeing something needs done and doing it. What would, what would, what would happen if your 12-year-old would walk by and go, oh man, that mom got in late last night. She didn't even get to none of these dishes. And she comes out thinking, I got a whole mess of stuff to clean up. And it's just done. And you're sitting there playing your little video thing, which I'm not against, but you just blessed your family. There's something powerful about that. I watched that last night. It melted my heart. I was still talking about it this morning. I was like, yes, Aaliyah. Mm. She just went, oh, she's on the top of my list. <laughs> you are on the top, girl. Holy, blameless, and above reproach. Now watch. See the dash dash? Because there's, there's, a, there's a statement being made. If indeed. That was like a double hyphen down there. Did you see that double hyphen? I don't even know what a double hyphen is, but watch this. So this is contingent. This is contingent. I got that whole thing purple in my Bible. You know why? Purple is a commandment or a condition to receive a promise. So let me ask you this. Does God see you holy, blameless, and above reproach, period, because of the blood? Absolutely. But you won't walk in it and the effects of it and the glory of it unless indeed you continue in the faith, firmly established and steadfast, that you believe this, you're settled and not moved away from the hope of the gospel that you've heard. I know he preaches this gospel. He gave me the mic, so you're going to hear it. You can't say, I never heard that. Yes, you did. Yeah? Yeah, Yeah, we got to make sure, right? We got to make sure. Paul says, have you not heard? Do you not know? We want to make sure as preachers, you guys have heard and know. So don't get tired of us talking, you know, and say it's redundant. No, no, no. You, you could say, well, Dan, you preached some of this the last time you were here, yeah, and there might be 25 faces that weren't here. Yeah. See, you got to be careful that you just don't make it about you and not realize what's happening. Well, I heard that before. Great. How about becoming that? Amen. <laughs> yes. 
I tell people you don't even know it until you become it. You say, well, I want some fresh manna. Manna is always fresh. It's always fresh. There's nothing, no such thing as the same old manna. No, because if you got more than that day's worth, it got worms and was spoiled. So every day, it's manna. It's fresh every day. Who? Yeah. Same manna. If indeed, let me just paraphrase this. If indeed you continue to believe your holy, blameless, and above reproach, get steadfast in that truth and don't let anything change your mind. That's what he's saying. Now, do you see where faith comes in? Guess what we are? We're the just and we live by possible to please God without faith. Why? Because if you don't believe what He accomplished, you won't walk in the glory of it. And you can't bring pleasure to a father's heart and watch his son walk into fruition of what he accomplished. Why? Because you're not living by faith. If you live by feelings, you're already trapped. Well, I don't feel loved. Regardless, that has nothing to do with what we're talking about. Don't cop out with some central line that doesn't even honestly make sense to Scripture. Well, I don't feel loved. I just need to feel God's love. No, 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 no. You need to believe God's love. Believe God's love and you'll never go wrong. You might be amazed. You believe God's love and it becomes your reality. He might give you a stewardship of experiencing His love. It might be sweet. He might just nestle you sometime. And well, I preach on righteousness. If I would just take off and preach on righteousness, guess what happens? It feels like somebody comes... Yeah. That's, that's, just, just, that's how it feels. When I'm right... When I'm, I didn't even know he's back here. When I preach on righteousness, it's a happy place. It just feels like somebody on a warm afternoon in South Carolina strumming a guitar, baby. That's how righteousness feels to me, man. Dude, that was perfect. I'm like... That, that was so awesome. But honestly, this is what happens. It happens to me all the time. I've talked about it in the past. It's not always healthy to do because then people are looking for manifestations. Whether it happened or not, it wouldn't change the truth. The truth is what God allows it to happen. I feel like somebody comes up behind me. It's a real feeling. It's like a person and it's Holy Spirit. He comes up and hugs me from behind. When I'm preaching on righteousness, I feel him lay his head in the middle of my back. Happens all the time when I preach on righteousness. Why? He's so excited, I believe it, because now we can enjoy relationship, because I believe it. So he says, I really love you, and I'm actually, I really believe that. So I let him love me, and he loves that. I actually believe he's with me, and he'll talk to me, so I talk to him in the car. I won't drive 50 miles and knock. If Roy and I were in the car for a 50-mile trip, would we talk? If Carl and I got on a trip together and we hung out for two days and had to do a road trip and come back, would we just sit and look out the window and not say anything? Or would I like talk about Carl? (laughs) (laughs) Or turn on a song and sing about Carl? (laughs) Carl's amazing. (laughs) He's really awesome. He's buff too. The dude got it going on. Carl, Carl, yeah, <laughs> like, would I do that? <laughs> no, i turn my head and say, hey, bud, you're awesome, yeah. and you really do have it going on, Carl, <laughs> and we would communicate, and watch, after two days, I bet you I'd know him just a little bit more than before we left. 
And I bet you when somebody would say Carl's name, I wouldn't just say, oh yeah, I know Carl. I bet you in my heart, say, man, I know Carl. That's exactly what you have with him. Don't just play worship in your car. When a song and a phrase touches your heart, be personal, be intimate. That's exactly how you see me, Father. Jesus, you're awesome. That's what you've done. You see me that way right now. No wonder that song gets my attention. You want me to realize that's exactly who I am in your sight right now. Now keep your hands on the wheel. (laughs) That's exactly God. Yes. Oh. And if you can't help it, pull over and do what she did this morning. Manifest. (laughs) But... But this is, this is for all of us. You've got to start here. Holy, blameless, above reproach as if you've never sinned. Come on, in John 20, he raises from the dead. He gets his disciples together. He goes to where they're at in a room. He tells Mary, hey, you know, go tell my brother, and I'm going to my father and your father, my God and your God. He's not disappointed. He's not saying, tell Peter I'm ticked. Ask John where he was. I didn't see him laying his head on my chest at the cross. He wasn't offended. He called them brethren. He didn't say, you bunch of losers, you bunch of two-faced, you bunch of backstabbers. He came up from the dead. He faced it alone in the Father. He came up from the dead. Nobody's waiting for him. They're assembled for fear. They're not assembled for faith. They're doing everything wrong. And Jesus said, go tell my brethren. Why? Because love never fails. What's he saying? I haven't changed my mind about you. And I'm going to my father. The word means come forth from. And, And your father, come forth from. That means we came forth from him. I'm going to my God, source of life. Your God, source of life. Every time you call him Father God, I came forth from the source of life. What a good confession. It sure is in Christianese. Father God, Father God, Father God. Don't just pray and throw in seven Father Gods and think that's what qualifies the prayer. When you say Father God, what you're saying is, I came forth from him. And in him is life. He's my Father God. Yeah? Jesus comes up from the dead. Tell my brethren. He goes into the room. They didn't believe. If you read the other Gospels, it didn't fly well. Mary goes in there. Hey, I saw the Lord. Yeah, right. Okay. We saw him too. Dead. No, no. He's alive. Yeah, right. It didn't go well. So he walks into the middle of their fear. Not faith. And he says, peace to you. Why? Because he made peace. With his blood. He went to the Father and made peace. So he walks into a room of guys that are doing nothing right. If there's one group of guys that had a chance to do better than they were doing, it was that group of guys. But they weren't doing better, and it didn't change Jesus. Wow. We'd all done the same. I'm not, I'm not putting them down. We'd all done the same. And Jesus walks in the room and he says, peace to you. Why? He made peace. He shows him his hands and his side. And it says they were rejoicing because they saw it was the Lord. And as soon as that happened, he said, peace to you the second time. Why? Because the guilt that hit him. As soon as they realized it's the Lord, they know they all forsook him. They all they know, they all ran. Peter's standing there knowing he denied him. 
I promise you, they're looking at the ground. They can't even look in his eyes. As soon as they realize it's the Lord, the first thing that hits them was how they failed him. You know how that works. It's a sin-conscious thing. And it makes you hide from him and put fig leaves on. That day's supposed to be over. Jesus took off the fig leaves and put animal skids on. Why? Every day they wake up in fig leaves, all they remember is the day they missed it. They wake up in the animal skins the day they were forgiven, the day they had a covenant and a promise, and that God loves them. You can find righteousness in Genesis 3 already. Yeah? So what's he do? Peace to you the second time. Why did he say peace the second time in three lines? Because he knows how they feel, and he's saying, look, stop feeling that way. That ain't the point. I love you guys. My mind hasn't changed. Come on. This will change you. You guys will do better now. You'll be wiser and sharper than ever. So he said, as the Father sent me. They've done nothing right. As the Father sent me, so I send you. He didn't say, back to boot camp, boys. I need to send you to some spirit schools out there. There's some really good ones. He said, go do what I taught you to do. And then what did he do? He breathed on them. Why did he breathe on them? Because that's how God made man alive in the beginning. He breathed on Adam. And the day you eat the tree is the day you surely die. So man lived in a state of death from that day on. And now the Redeemer, the redemption of man, comes and breathes life back into man. He takes man back to day one when God brought man up out of the dust. He breathes back into him. It's the same breath. It's the same. It's je- He's taken him in that point to Genesis 1. My point is this. As if there never was sin, never the tree, the serpent, nothing. Why? Because of his blood. That's powerful. You want to live there every day. And that's called faith. Every promise is to the believer, so it's time to believe. You all qualify. You're all equipped. Same spirit that raised Christ from the dead is here to dwell in you. We can all become love. We can all walk in love. You're the steward of your own heart. Don't sell your heart cheap when you're not for sale. You're worth this to him. So let your esteem ride on that and rise up and be what he paid for you to be. My buddy Todd sent me a a little clip of him preaching at 2.16 in the morning last night. (laughs) Todd White, you have Todd for a friend. He said, I form you in love, dude. It's good to have, it's good for you to have me in your life. Because he just doesn't have the same. We'll stay in a hotel room. He'll just come in at two in the morning. I'm sleeping because I teach early. It just boom, hotel doors slam. You know they slam, right? They're heavy. They're made to go shut. He just lets boom. He's not being inconsiderate. It's just taught. It's just his, and he's learned to know me. I'm sleeping. He'll sit right on the edge of my bed, three in the morning, two thirty. Dude, are you awake? Are you awake, dude? And you look up, and if you're not saved, you think it's Medusa, the Greek god. And you're like, cementing it, yeah. Uh. He's like, dude, are you awake? And I'm like, hey, buddy, I I wasn't. But I am now, why? What's up? Oh, man, it was awesome. And he'll tell me a story about loving on somebody in the lobby or the uh, elevator or the restaurant or something. So last night, he sent me a little clip at 2.16 in the morning. I didn't hear it. I didn't know it. But I went to the bathroom at 5.21, and I, I read the message, and it said, hey, buddy, check it out. And he was preaching in a big place, and it was passionate, compelling heart cry, and he said something right in the middle. And he said, is the life you're living worth the price that he paid? 
He said, come on, guys, we can become this thing and we can live this love. And I was like, man, that's compelling. That's not condemning. It's the life you're living with the price he paid. It means he had high intentions of something when he shed his blood. Paul said, I'm going to move forward, forget what lies behind so I can lay a hold of that which he laid a hold of me for. Paul realized there's intention in Jesus obtaining you. Great, great privilege to be in Christ. We're not just Christians that go to church. We are her, the body of Jesus Christ. Stand to your feet with me, would you? Thanks, man. You brought me into my righteous place. <laughs> Isn't it amazing I'm preaching on righteousness and the thing you established in me years ago was righteous? And when I started preaching from pulpits, I could feel Holy Spirit come up and hold me and hug me and just affirm me and squeeze me. And it's like, people wonder why I get the way I get sometimes when I'm preaching. Well, if you had a Holy Ghost hugging you from behind, laying his head in the middle of the back, you'd be a little wired up too. If you actually experienced that. I've been in prayer with my wife in the living room. Probably shouldn't talk about some of this stuff. We've bumped into him as a person where you could literally feel the person of Holy Spirit and couldn't see him. Literally feel him. I walked over to the door to pray one day and bumped right into him as if he was standing there because he was. I've had some neat experiences in the Holy Spirit. You have communion with him. You have fellowship with him. You have intimacy with him. You talk to him. I promise you he's your best, best friend whether you know it or not. He'll never misguide you. He's always complete and full truth. He bears witness of the Father. He shows you things to come. Commune with Him. Talk to Him often. Holy Spirit, good morning. I appreciate you. You see, that's not scriptural. Yes, it is. Communion and fellowship with the Holy Spirit. It's koinonia. It's interaction. It's actually a word so intimate you can find intercourse there. Him into you and you into Him. Yeah, what happens when two people get intimate long enough? Somebody's getting pregnant. And usually when they give birth to that thing, it looks like a daddy. So I've been with him. If you look right now in the spirit, I've been with someone. <laughs> it's true. You know how I pray when I'm alone? Father, I just open myself up to you and I ask the seed of who you are to come deep on the inside of me. God, just that I would conceive the seed of who you are and give birth to everything that looks like you. God, birth things through my life. Let it be your children, so to speak. And God, let it look just like its father. I pray that way when you ain't looking. That's what's wrong with me. I have intimacy with God and I'm not ashamed of it. So if he wants to get me pregnant, I'm ready to be pregnant. Why? Because I want to multiply him. And so do you. Amen? Father, I bless this house. I thank you for the wisdom that resides here. I pray with all my heart for a spirit of unity like we've never known. Father, not that we all have to agree on every aspect of everything we talk about, but that we all agree on the motive and the reason and why we're alive. I pray that the true spirit of unity would come into this house. And God, I'm asking for that grace to come upon it and settle it. How are you set up here, man? Do you have leaders? Do you have elders? How are you set up here? You do? Are they here? I need you all to come up here with Patty and with Roy. Everybody that's an elder, that's a leader. I just want to pray something over you guys as a church. I just hear it in my heart. I've never, I never do this. 
but I'm doing it. I'm not going to disobey it. Elders, if you're here, please. Elders is a healthy thing. It's a safe thing. It doesn't make them special. It's not a who's who or a clicky thing. It's, it's actually very protective for the pastor to have elders. I'm glad to see that you have elders. So nobody could just say pastor's in control. It's, it's a board of men and people that talk and bounce things off. There's, we got them all? That's all right. If he's, if he's tied up with something, that's good. You don't have to disturb him. That's okay. You don't have to disturb him. Guys, if you come here, if you're a member here, I want you to take heart in what we're praying. I see something. And I'm going to pray this. It's going to happen. Now, I don't remember ever doing this, but I see a spirit of unity, a, a stronghold, a bond of unity, true Bible unity, to, to where all we care about is becoming what he paid for and what he, what he purchased and what's possible. Here's what unity is in our great diversity in the room. Man, there's people here that can lead worship, sing, you guys. I can't do any of that. I preach the gospel and I do other things. I'm not administrative. Some people are amazingly administrative. In our great diversity, we have true unity because we all wake up for the same reason, to be like Him. That's what makes us one. That's how you can have so many people and have one faith, one heart, one spirit, one mind. Why? Because we all realize and recognize if we come to this house, the whole goal is becoming like Him and becoming love. So we can all wake up to love. Thanks for being here. I'm just going to pray something I just wanted the leadership represented. So let's do this, okay? I'm praying over this whole church. I'm praying over the vision of this church. I'm just praying over the destiny of this church. I felt like I wanted the leaders represented up front and just pray. So Father, right now, I just thank You for a spirit of wisdom to rest upon this house. God, I thank you that these men that have stood around Pastor and his family are just empowered with wisdom and insight, God. I pray for an amazing spirit of agreement to come. That, Lord, you'd begin to speak the same things to each of them respectively in their own personal time and lives. That, Lord God, they would never have to just even hardly come to an agreement by hashing something out or talking. They'd already have things in their heart. You're going to see this peculiar thing that when you talk about something, you're already all going to have it in your heart. You're already going to have an answer in the Lord. It's going to be amazing. I see a bond bond of unity in you guys and in this church. And I see a reason for being, being established by the Spirit of God. And I see people getting so hooked up to that purpose and running well because of that truth. So Father, I just thank you that this is an unmovable, unshakable house where purpose and, and, and where destiny is concerned. I thank you it's not an up and down place. It's not an up and down place, God. I thank you it's not a seasonal place. I thank you it's like the tree planted by the rivers of living water. Not sitting in the seat of the scornful God. But our delight is in you. And Lord, we're going to be fruitful. Twelve months out of the year, we're going to have leaves that bear and fruit that bears. And we're going to be like the trees on the river of Ezekiel's vision, God. And we're going to bring life and healing to nations. God, I thank You for spirit of unity in this house. A true Bible unity. A Psalms unity. A 133 unity. How precious and pleasant it is when God's people dwell together. It's like the full horn of the anointing that came down over Aaron and even dripped from his beard. It's a place of power. It's a place of unlimitedness. 
I thank you for the synergism of it, God. And I thank you that this house walks in it like you've always desired. And I thank you, Father, there be no foxes spoiling the vine. I thank you fruit will bear in this house. And I thank you, God, this will be far-reaching with internet and, and all the stuff with technology. I thank you a message of unity, God. Not that Pastor Roy's awesome and this church is cool. I'm not talking about some idol thing. I'm not talking about people making them a celebrity. God, impact. Impact. Life change. Mindsets. Precepts that stand the test of time. Consistency, God, like we haven't seen. Rock solid, unshakable, unmovable. Talking the gospel bedded in this place. Like bedrock, God. A firm foundation. The gospel, a reason for being. Let it be a house message. And let people grow up in this truth and be fruitful, God. Let young people reach older years and say, Man, I got so established in that setting. I got so big in my heart of why I was here that I didn't run crazy years trying to figure out and experiment life. I knew why I was here by the time I was 10. I knew why I was alive by the time I was 12. I didn't have to go searching for pipe dreams. My heart was filled. God, I ask that testimony to be valid here. And uncountable and unsearchable, God, have your way and let this be a house of influence by your Spirit because you so choose. I bless you, men, and I say wisdom and unity. In Jesus' name, God, bless this marriage and bless this home and grant these two to not just be leaders, but amazing lovers, amazing parents, and amazing family to all. Yeah, those that have many friends make themselves and show themselves very friendly. Wisdom in your relationships. The ability to say the words that are needed. To never grow weary in well-doing. But to look through the heart of God and the love of God and the truth of God and bring life. I'm not boasting in you, but I see this as a grace and gift on both of your lives. That your words will carry weight. And your words will make a difference. Your place is to keep your heart before Him. And stay pure before Him. Don't ride a gift. Don't ride a grace. Ride a relationship. And let the gift be at its finest. Because I hear your words. Miss Patty, your words will make a difference in young ladies. And when they contest and get a little frazzled and say, Yeah, but you don't understand you'll have this maturity and ability and wisdom where God will grip their heart and say, shh, precious, shh. And you will speak and they will hear. Mm -hmm. And it will bring change. Roy, you have that same exact gift. You already know it. And I bless you with it. And I call you forth and say, have your way, God. In Jesus' name. Will you lift your hands to heaven with me as we're closing? Father, we're yours, we yield to you, we humble ourselves before you. Man, we're not doing church, we are her. And you have handpicked us out of darkness and called us into the kingdom of the Son of your love. And without works, without striving, but with great joy, we say thanks for the honor of being your children. Thanks for a light that so shines. Empower us and grant us all wisdom as was prayed over the people in the front. 
and let our lives carry more influence than we've ever seen, God. In Jesus' name, thank you. Amen? And amen. Pastor, if you want to close or say anything. Love you guys. Thanks.